Welcome to the Underground Podcast, the student ministry of Riverside Community Church. We are happy to have you listening in this week. Well, a couple weeks ago, I shared with you a little bit about this room and why it was so special to me. That This is kind of where, in a lot of ways, I feel my story kind of began. And, and in fact, many things have happened in this room. Uh, we've dedicated three kids right down here at the front. Um, amazing things have happened. I've met many different people here, people that have become some of my very best friends. But I think it, if I'm completely honest with you, probably the biggest event in my life was when I got married in this room. And it's funny because I talk about Ethan and Clay, I feel like every week, but Ethan and Clay were our ring bearers 14 years ago. And, and I can still picture them like walking as I was standing here, they were walking down with these two young girls that were our flower girls. And I remember standing here in the first time, if you, it was kind of like a movie, you know, where they open the doors and then the bride starts walking in. And I remember that feeling that I was standing down here and I was sharing with somebody today. You always know when I'm about ready to cry because I kind of do one, I have like this face and it's usually, I look down and I like, I'm trying to bite the inside of my mouth to keep from crying. And, and some of you are like, yeah, we've seen that more than we care to know. Um, but I remember I stood down here and I saw my soon to be wife walk in and I remember that moment and it was over 14 years ago and I can remember it like it was yesterday. You see, as I was thinking about week two, and if you were here last week, we talked about clear eyes. And so this week we're going to talk about full hearts. And I don't know that there's been a time in my life that, man, I wasn't more overcome with emotion because here was this girl that I loved. And I'm telling you, I can picture her still walking down and, and she was like beautiful. I'm telling you, she's not, she wasn't as beautiful then as she is now. I'll say that. Um, Thank you. And that's true. I, I love her. She's watching at home. She's a little bit under the weather tonight. Um, but I love you, Rach. And so, you know, for some of us, as I was thinking about, well, what does full hearts really mean? I was drawn to this verse or this passage in Mark chapter 12, verse 30 and 31. And this is really God's task for your life. And I just want to read this for us because this is going to be kind of a springboard of where we're going to land um, throughout tonight. And it says, and you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. No other commandment is greater than these. So here's your two things in life. Love God and love others. Now, until I started studying for this week, I missed a key point of this. And if you look at verse 31, it says, the second is equally important because for all these years that I've been a follower of Jesus, I've always thought that that first one, love the Lord your God with all your heart. And then the second part, loving other people was just kind of a side note. But if you really check the words of that, both of them, it says, are equally important. Now, as many of you know, I went to PCS to high school and my senior year, as I've shared with you that Give it up for PCSers in the house. I love you. Um, my senior year, I shared with you that there were times where I, I, I tended to skip school. I made up fake doctor's notes and dentist appointments. They must have thought I had the worst teeth in all of central Illinois because I went to a lot of dentists that year. And so one day when I skipped and I came back, I realized that they had made room assignments for our senior trip. And back in the day, 
at PCS now, I believe you go to a senior trip before the actual senior year starts. Ours was a little bit later in the year. And what happened is I showed up and they said, hey, you missed picking out your room assignments for the senior trip. And so when I looked at the list of who the people I was going to be with, I'll try to say this as nice as I could. They weren't my best friends in the world. In fact, they were kind of like the nerds a little bit. And so the senior trip came and I was not really excited about it. And I'll preface this by saying I was a nerd myself. And some of you are like, yeah, we know. And so the senior trip rolled around and there was four of us. And there were two beds in here. And, and I remember this one guy, he goes, hey, I'm going to share a bed with you. And I'm like, oh, no, you're not. And he's like, yeah, we are. This, that's, gonna, that's my stuff on that bed. And I said, no, you're going to go sleep in the bathtub for the next six days. And he's like, are you serious? And I go, yeah, absolutely, I'm serious. And listen, I'm not proud of this, but for almost a week, this poor young man slept in a bathtub because I, yeah, I'm not proud of it. Like I said to you the other day, last week, work in progress. And I think about that every time because you see, my life didn't always go according to the scripture that I read to you. You see, I love God or whatever I thought I love God, but I never followed through with the rest of that. I had a hard time loving my neighbors. I had a hard time loving the other people that were around me. And if you look just a couple chapters before, in Mark chapter 10, this is going to kind of be the passage or the story that we're really going to drill down from today. In Mark chapter 10, verses 46 to 52, it says, Then they reached Jericho, and as Jesus and his disciples left town, a large, number, a large crowd followed him. A blind beggar named Bartimaeus, son of Timaeus, was sitting beside the road. When Bartimaeus heard that Jesus of Nazareth was nearby, he began to shout, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. Be quiet, many of the people yelled at him. But he only shouted louder, son of David, have mercy on me. When Jesus heard him, he stopped and said, tell him to come here. So they called the blind man. Cheer up, they said. Come on, he's calling you. Bartimaeus threw aside his coat, jumped up and came to Jesus. What do you want me to do for you? Jesus asked. My rabbi, the blind man said, I want to see. And Jesus said to him, go, for your faith has healed you. Instantly, the man could see, and he followed Jesus down the road. You see, when I read that passage, I can instantly relate to the crowd. I don't relate to Bartimaeus. I certainly don't relate to Jesus. Because you see, in that passage right there, I was the crowd. I used to not have time. I used to not have patience for people. In fact, the, my favorite thing that I used to say is like, so-and-so, they are such an idiot. Like, I don't, I can't stand to be around them. And you see, as I was looking at this passage, I was reminded of a young man that I had in class many, many years ago. And any teachers that are here will tell you that oftentimes you have students that move in midway through the year. Most of those teachers will also tell you, those are not your most ideal students. Because they're not the ones that have been with you since day one of school that know the procedures, they know the rules. They're kind of ones that for some reason, their families have moved 
maybe there's been some issues. Sometimes they're even in the foster care system. And there was this young man named Jesse. And Jesse, the first day he walked in, you knew he was going to be a handful. Because I had perfectly written his name on, on a name tag. And I'd put it on his desk. And I said, that's your spot. And by the end of the day, that name tag was like almost destroyed. He had ripped it off. He had colored on it. He was the kid that when you had snack time, he would sit down there and for every one goldfish that he put in his mouth, three of them he would throw at other people. He was the one that when it came time to sit down and have that silent reading time, I don't think the kid even knew what silence even was. That by the end of that week, I'll tell you, I didn't have much patience with him. And I remember one day, it got to be about Friday, and he just didn't want to listen. He was out of his seat. He was over here. He was talking to somebody. And I go, dude, I'm going to give you one more chance. Go sit down. And he looked at me and he's like, no. And I go, here's your options. Either you do what I say, or if you don't like it, just leave. And I saw the kid, his whole body started to shake. His whole body, like physically, had spathoms, and he walked back to his desk, and he sat down, and for the next 20 minutes, his body just kept shaking. And as soon as I saw that, I instantly knew I'd done the wrong thing. I had lost my patience after five days with this kid. And I went up to him, and I first apologized to him. And second of all, I took the time to figure out what's going on, what's your story. And he said to me, with tears coming down his face, he goes, what you just said to me reminded me of something. He said, when you said, if you don't like it, just leave, he goes, it instantly reminded me of my mom. He said, my parents were fighting. We lived in Arkansas, and my parents fought all the time. And I remember one night, my dad said almost the exact same words to my mom. If you don't like it, if you don't like how this house is running, just leave. And he goes, that was the last time I saw my mom. She walked out of that house and he goes, that's why we're here in Pekin today. You see, you talk about feeling awful That's happened probably 13 years ago, and I can still remember it like it was yesterday. You see, that just reminded me that wherever I went, I wanted to be a little bit more patient with people. I wanted to take time to get to know them. I wanted to slow down and hear their story. And you see, that story kind of had a happy ending because this was a boy that we just kept investing in every day. I was at the door high-fiving him. Almost every day for lunch, we grew into a relationship where he would come and eat lunch with me every single day. He was a kid that didn't have much for Christmas, so we got all the parents in our classroom, and we just showered this kid with Christmas gifts. You see, this is a kid now that I see him. He's long graduated from high school. He works at a grocery store in town. And literally every time I go to this grocery store, I have clear eyes looking out for him. Because every time I run into him, he runs up to me, puts his arms around me and says, Mr. Richardson, how's it going? 
I miss you. How's your family? You see, this was a kid that honestly, I was not patient with him. I didn't love like Jesus was telling me to love people. You see, and I was reminded of that moment that God really in that moment with young Jesse at only eight or nine years old, I remember God just having this overwhelming sense of saying, Michael, everyone that passes by you matters to me. That when you see somebody that you feel is not as cool as you, that is less than you, that you think is an idiot, I created them. They're my child. I loved them. And you see, when I had that realization, it changed how I look at people. It changed how I went about my daily, my daily activities. You see, I wrote this down, that love isn't something God does, it's who he is. That that's who God is, he exudes love. Listen to this in 1 John chapter 4, it says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another, for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a child of God and knows God, but anyone who does not love does not know God, for God is love. God showed how much he loved us by sending his one and only son into the world so that we might have eternal life through him. This is real love. Not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent his son as a sacrifice to take away our sins. Dear friends, since God loved us that much, we surely ought to love each other. No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us and his love is brought to full expression in us. You see, love flows down from God to you. And when you know God, the most natural reaction is to let that love flow out from you into others. You see, I've known the love of an amazing God. As I said to you before, he has blessed me more than I could ever, ever have imagined. You see, When you know you're loved and you know how God feels about you, it's a lot easier to love other people. You see, every single morning when I wake up, and I wake up at an obscenely early time, usually like 5.30 in the morning, while most of you are all sleeping. Even last night, I got home at like 3.30 in the morning, and at like 6.24, I randomly woke up. It's like the worst thing ever. But you see, that's my time that I spend with God. That's my time when I have that one-on-one before everybody wakes up, before it's crazy around our house. That's the time I spend with God. And you see, one of my prayers every single morning is I say, God, give me an opportunity to love someone. And even sometimes more than that, God, give me the opportunity to love somebody that in a lot of ways is kind of unlovable. You see, I told you I love my wife. She's absolutely amazing. And the other day she was in line. She is obsessed and it's disgusting with unsweet tea from McDonald's. Yeah, yeah, right here, baby. Uh, That's disgusting. You guys need like a therapy group, you and Rach. But the other day she was going in line for her dollar unsweetened, disgusting, nasty tea. And she was there messing around on her phone. It runs in the family. And it was time for her to move up to the next window. And the person behind goes, eh. And she's like, 
calm down. I'm moving up. I'm sure she had something really important to like on Instagram. And so she moved up and she said to me, she's like, the first thing I had is I just wanted to be like, eh, right back to him. But she's much more spiritual than I am. She's a better Christian than I am. That she's like, instantly, I thought, that is not what God would want me to do. And see, here's how amazing she is. Because I would have turned around and been like, shut your mouth, you idiot. (laughs) Work in progress. Whereas my wife got up there to the window and said, hey, see this kind of irate gentleman behind me? I want to pay for whatever his meal is today. And when he gets up here, tell him, I hope he has a better day. Now listen, I would have never done that in a million years. But my wife is like the nice one of the family and you're like, yeah, we know. But I love that because as I was preparing this message, I came across this verse and it says in John chapter 13, verse 34 through 35. So now I'm giving you a new commandment. Love each other. Just as I have loved you, you should love each other. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. You see, in that moment, I said that a couple weeks ago, you don't have to knock people over the head with your Bible. You don't have to preach to them over and over. But how you live your life will prove to people how, Jesus, how you feel about Jesus and whether or not he lives in your life. You see, I wrote down your love for others is a direct correlation of your love for God. You can't say you love God and then hate people. Because if you go to church and you stand up here on the altar and you're worshiping, you're like, I love Jesus, but then you treat people like garbage, let me tell you, your cover's blown instantly. And I'm saying that from experience. There's so many times where I would be like worshiping, oh, yeah, tremble. I love that song. Reckless love. Don't love that. Um, but I worship. And then the next day I would go to school. I would go to work and I was not showing Jesus. And instantly people saw right through me. People said, you say one thing, but then you come and you treat the rest of us like garbage. You don't have time for us. You don't have patience for us. You see, can I tell you in this world, we need more people who are less judgmental, less condemning. We live in a really fractured society these days. You know, when I met with leaders about a month ago in here, we have amazing leaders that I just love, love, love to death. And one of the things I said to them in that leaders meeting is we're looking for leaders who believe in God, but also believe in our students that are going to meet them right where they are. And some of you go through major things right now. And I said, please don't come from a place where you're just judging them, where you're coming down and hammering them. Instead, in order for students to believe in a God that loves them in spite of all their stuff, they've got to have adults in their life that do the same, that love you in spite of your drama. Some of you have drama. In spite of your screw-ups, in spite of your mistakes, that leaders... Students need to see that in you, that you will love them no matter what. And I'll tell you, I have leaders in here that are the most amazing people in the world because I hear stories and they don't give me all the gory details about your life and what you share, but they said, you wouldn't believe what's happened in this young man's life over the last year. You wouldn't believe what this girl walked into and the freedom she's found in Jesus. And now she's living that out with her friends. You see... 
In this world, we need more kindness. We need more love. We need more people who are going to believe in you where you are, but believe that God has a bigger future for you and is going to be there and celebrate you all the way. You may not be there yet, but God has a great plan for each of us. And you see, I have people in my life that have sometimes saw something in me that I, that I never even saw in myself. When I was in the muck and the mire of life, I had people that just loved me. You see, even when we were coming back after our big summer break, we want you to feel from the time you walk in that somebody cares about you. You know, leaders can't always be out there. I can't always be out there. And so I said to Aubrey Osborne three or four weeks ago, yeah, give it up for Aubrey. I, I said to Aubrey, I said, how would you feel about like heading up our connect team? That every single Wednesday night, you and your crew are just here welcoming people. Hey, would you just be out there? Because you have the personality, you greet people, you love people. Like, I want to be like Aubrey when I grow up. And so now when you come in and check in on Wednesday nights, you know, you'll see Hallie and Katie. And there's like seven Madisons that are out there that I can't ever keep straight. There's only two of you here tonight, but there's like seven Maddies, Madisons and all that kind of stuff. But they're out there and they're just the first line that we want people when they walk in to feel like this is a place where I'm loved, that I'm cared about before you even step into a service, before you even come into worship, before you even come to a message that you're loved. You see, I used to only like to be around people that were like me. So basically asthmatic nerds, those are the people that I hung out with. But you see, as I've grown, God has given me eyes and a vision and a love for people that look a lot different than me people that go to other different churches, people that aren't in a relationship with Jesus yet, people that actually like sports, which is not me at all, people that like Imagine Dragons. Ugh. Sorry, Josh. But you see, God has opened my eyes to a whole new set of people, a whole new set of circumstances that he wants me to show that, man, you can love people no matter how different they are with you. You know, not too long ago, there was a friend of mine and we went out to eat dinner one time and, and, you know, he has lots of questions about this new gig I'm in. And as we're eating, he said, you don't really believe all that stuff in the Bible, do you? And I was like, yeah, absolutely. He's like, you believe that there was like an ark and a guy took two elephants in there and then two tigers and then two puppies and two parrots. I go, yeah, I absolutely believe that. He's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard in my life. And instantly I kind of got a little bit defensive in my head. And we just had kind of not a debate because I don't, that's not how I do things, but we just kind of talked through some things. And I said, well, here's what I believe. And here's why I believe. And I believe that it's the inspired word of God. And you may not be on that path right now. You may not believe that, but that's truly what I believe. And I ended it by saying, you know, if you're right, and this is all a bunch of made up garbage, if you're right, man, when the day comes where you die, you will have lost nothing. But if I'm right and you die, you will have lost everything. Because I know and I believe that when I die one day or when Jesus comes back, that I know where I'm going. I know that my path 
is written. I know where my destination is. You see, there's a guy named Bob Goff who I absolutely love. Bob Goff, I even brought a couple books. Um, a couple books called Love Does and Everybody Always. I love Bob Goff. And he has this quote and he said, I used to want to fix people, but now I just want to be with them. I love that. Can I tell you how many times I tried to fix people? I tried to turn them the way that I thought they needed to be. But now I just love spending time with people that are a little bit different than me. And this is just a shameless plug. You may not know this, but Dream Center Peoria is actually having Bob Goff come next month, October the 23rd, 6 o'clock at the Bradley Coliseum. And the cool thing about it is if you are a high school, junior high, or college age student, you can go to this for five bucks. I'm telling you, it'll be the best five bucks you'll spend the entire month of October. If you want to go, hey, come see me. Come see me next week. We would love to go, and we want to take a whole student section to go. And I'll tell you, it's an amazing... I've had the opportunity to hear Bob speak in person like two or three times, and I always leave so inspired to go and just love, love, love people. You see, you don't always have to walk in somebody else's footsteps to love them. You see, there's people in my life who live differently than me, who parent differently than me. You see, people that worship differently than me, think differently than me. You see, there's even people in my life that love differently than me. But I truly believe that our differences are an opportunity to show unconditional love. Unconditional love to people who we may, we may be on opposite sides of stuff. You see, for the first 10 years of my life, I was an only child. Where are my only child children? Only child children? Anybody an only child in here? Nige, are you an only child? No, you're not. You're not an only child. What are you doing? Making up random stuff. But you see, for the first 10 years of my life, I was an only child. And I kind of loved it. Because when you're an only child, you're kind of spoiled a little bit. Um, and, and when I was 10, um, my, mom, my mom became pregnant. And she's like, you're going to have a little brother. And I was like, oh, that's great. And I was kind of like, again, a little spoiled. And as that time came around... I got a little bit more excited. My brother will never let me forget. And I don't even think this is a real story. My mom will correct me. She's watching on the live stream at home. She'll correct me of this. That when he was born, his name was supposed to be Colin Jeffrey Richardson. And supposedly the first time I saw him, I started crying because I wanted him to be named after me. So his name now is Colin Jeffrey Michael Richardson. I don't think that's a true story. Because I think I would remember when I was 10 years old. But they think that's a true thing. And you see... My brother and I, there was 10 years between us, and there were times that we would drive each other crazy. Because when you're 14 and your brother's four, oh, they know how to push your buttons. And some of you know because you have much younger siblings than you. You see, I can still remember the times that my brother and I grew up, and we lived um, in kind of subsidized housing. We didn't always have a lot growing up. And I remember we lived in kind of this two-story apartment, and we had these massive steps that went up and down. And we always played Peter Pan. And my brother was always Peter, and I was always Captain Hook, because I was like the nasty, mean guy. And so I can still remember this like it was yesterday. My brother would take 
a butter knife, which is not really safe. Um, he would take this butter knife and he would be Peter Pan. And then I had one of those like plastic hooks you put on your hand as Captain Hook. And so we would like battle on the steps. And I, I would be like, you're Peter Pan. And he would like come after me with a butter knife. It was like the greatest thing. Like we didn't have much, but we had like a butter knife and a hook. And I just remember my brother and I would spend hours, hours on these steps playing. And even though there were so many years between us, you know, if you've ever gotten to that point where you're siblings and you kind of drive each other crazy, but you also become kind of the best of friends at times. You see, I wish I could say that everything was always Peter Pan and Captain Hook and lots of fun. But I remember one day we were driving home from PCS and again, I was... 16, 17 years old, getting ready to graduate, and he would have been in, in first or second grade. And, and one day, we were driving into Pekin, and, and we kind of had to do a little bit of a detour, because there was a train, and I was trying to go around it. And we went a different route, and it wasn't a route that I really knew, and, and the windshield had kind of gotten fogged up, and we had this old, junky car that my grandpa had bought me, and I was so grateful for it, but it was a piece of junk. And so I remember I was, I was looking down, I was trying to clear off the windshield. And what happened is we ran through a stop sign and we just happened to hit a pickup truck dead on and the pickup truck toppled over three times. And I looked over at my brother and he had hit the windshield and his face was just a puffy mess. And I don't think I've ever been more scared of anything in my life. And I remember what he said. He wasn't wearing a seatbelt. And he goes, hey, Mai, just tell him I was wearing my seatbelt. I don't want you to get in trouble. There was a six or seven-year-old kid that was looking out for his brother that at times was not very nice to him. And you, you see, in that moment, I, I can't forget it. And even throughout that, my brother still loved me in spite of it. You talk about unconditional love. That kid showed it to me time after time after time again. You see, growing up, I never really saw my mom cry that much. There were a couple moments where she would get overwhelmed by just the pressure of being a single mom raising two boys, the pressure of making it all work. And about six or seven years ago, she called me. And, and, and as soon as I picked up the phone, you could tell she was just beside herself. And I was like, Mom, what's up? And she goes, can I just come over to your house? And my mom lives literally two minutes away. And she pulled up and she came in and you could tell she had just been crying. And she sat down and I go, what's going on? Like, what? Rach was at work. The kids were at bed. It was late. And she goes, um, I just talked to Colin. And I go, yeah, is he all right? And she said to me, she goes, he just told me something that I never expected him to ever say. And I go, well, what's that? And with tears in her eyes, she said, he just told me that he's gay. And she goes, I don't know how to handle that. I don't know how to process it. 
And she goes, I just came to you because have you heard from him? Do you know? And you see, in that moment, it changed the dynamic of our family. You see, because I had grown so close to my brother over the years that as I got married and we started to have a family together, I always thought about how cool is it going to be when Colin gets married and he starts having kids and I have nieces and nephews and we're going to do all this stuff together. And instantly in that moment, I very selfishly thought, how does this change? How does this affect our kids? And you see, during that whole time, I was just reminded of all these verses I've shared with you. All the time that came back to me where God reminded me that everyone that passes by you is important to me. Everybody that you see, I love. And you see, I couldn't call my brother fast enough. And I said to him over the phone, I love you. I love you. And no matter what your journey in life is, no matter what this looks like going forward, nothing's going to change my love for you. You see, I want to be really honest with you because some of you right now, the takeaway from this is going to be Pastor Michael has a gay brother. Or some of you may even go a little bit more spiritual than that and say, Pastor Michael is teaching some message of tolerance and a watered down version of the Bible. And that's not what I'm saying at all. What I am saying is that we sometimes pass by people that Jesus stopped in his tracks for. That sometimes we go through life passing people because they're different than us. They're on a different path in life. They look different than us. But can I tell you, the Bible that I've grown up with, those were the people that Jesus stopped and spent time with. You see, I wish you had the privilege and the honor of getting to meet my brother. Because I'll tell you, he's one of the greatest people you would ever meet. One of the kindest, one of the most loving, the best little brother you could ever have. He loves my kids like they're his own. You see, the crazy thing about it is over the years, there's been certain people, certain Christians that have wanted nothing to do with him because of what his life is like now. He's kind of so far away from the church. But can I tell you what happens? And this is going to happen on Sunday morning. Every time that I'm on this platform and I have the opportunity to share about Jesus, you know, one of the people that is always watching every single Sunday is my brother. Without fail. He'll watch it online. And invariably, as soon as I walk off this platform and sit back down, I'll get a text from him. 
it's always the most encouraging thing in the world. My, I love you. That was so awesome. God's got you right where you're supposed to be. And I'm like the proudest little brother in the history of the world. You see, our paths are very different. Our choices in life are very different. But you see, just because we're different, that doesn't discount that we can show love. You see, just like Bartimaeus, people told him, go, nobody has time for you. Who's the Bartimaeus in your life? Who's the person in your life that you just don't have time for because they look different, they act different, they're on a different path than you? Who's that person that I pass by every day because I just don't know how to handle it? And listen, if I'm completely honest with you, there were the first several months I, I didn't know how to handle it. The first several months I screwed up until I just wanted to be really intentional. And I just wanted to love. I just wanted to love him. I just wanted him to know that in spite of our differences, God loves you. You see, because I found that love that God has poured out on me. And I want to pour that out to anybody that I see. Because every single person that passes you by is loved by Jesus. And so my challenge for you this week is to find that one person. Who's the person that you haven't had time for? It might be in your family. It might be in your school. It might be somebody that you work with. It may be somebody that years and years ago you didn't make time for. That maybe you just have to go up to them and search them out on social media, text them out of the blue and say, hey, I'm sorry. I love you. Because you see, I truly believe that we as Christians, we should be the most loving people in the world. We should have the fullest hearts of anybody in this world that when people look at us, they should see Jesus in it. And even if they're not far along the same path that we are, even if they haven't discovered the Jesus that we've seen, that they know that they're loved, that they know that there's a God that in spite of them still loves them. And so will you just stand up right where you are today? And I just want to pray. Some of you, as soon as I said that, you're like, I know who that person is. Some of you may have no idea and God's going to start revealing people as you leave today or as you head back to school, that's your Bartimaeus. That's the person that I want to make time for. People may not understand it, but I want to make time for them. I want to take them out to coffee. I want to grab dinner with them. And I just want to spend time with them. Showing the love that Jesus has given me that I want to give to others. Can we pray together? God, I thank you for who you are. I thank you for being the ultimate example of unconditional love. That 2,000 years ago, you came to this earth 
And years after that, you went to the cross for each and every one of us. And while none of us deserved it, you still loved us. You still cared for us. You still saw potential and value and worth in each one of us. That you gave your life so that each one of us could find ours. And God, I pray for every student in this room. I pray for every leader. I pray for every single person that's watching online tonight, God, that you would put people in our path, that you would just challenge us to love, love them like never before. God, we wanna follow your example, that you went around just loving the unlovable, the people that were cast aside, the people that no one else wanted to even be around, God. And so that's my prayer for each person in this room, God, that you would open our eyes and more importantly, that you would open our hearts, that we would love people like you love each and every one of us, even when it doesn't make sense, even when we don't understand the journey, God, that you love us and then we wanna pour that love out to each and every one of them as well. We thank you, God, for what you're doing in our lives. And God, we truly believe that the best is yet to come for this ministry. I truly believe and speak life over every single person in this room today, God, that great things are in store for each one of them. And God, continue to show us to love like you love each and every one of us. In your name, amen. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with Underground students, follow us on our socials at UndergroundPIA.